Welcome to episode 72 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be talking about how to deal with slow progress in the gym, breathing techniques for different rep ranges, and whether or not you need a business degree to open a business. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 72. We just had our baby shower yesterday. Um, It was great. It was fun. You weren't supposed to be there the whole time, but you ended up getting roped into being there the whole time. Yeah, it was an unintentional Jack and Jill with just me, Lauren's dad, Bob, and my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, It was so casual, though, that it was like just normal. Yeah, it was really nice. My my family um, made brunch or a lot of like different people from my family brought contributed to the brunch um and delicious Jason's parents brought bagels mm-hmm. and which is really funny because like i don't know my family's jewish and you would think that my family would contribute the bagels <laughs> stereotypically <laughs> but the asians brought the bagels <laughs> yeah they brought the bagels um they brought them from uh uh, they're from New York and New Jersey, and for some reason, Boston just has really bad bagels, <laughs> and so we outsourced them all the way from uh, New York and New Jersey. Yeah. New York and New Jersey have just really good bagels. I think they call them like water bagels. They prepare them in a different way, and I don't understand why we can't do the same process in Boston, but yeah. I guess there's a little bit more TLC involved Maybe it's the, elsewhere. the water in New York. Yeah. Yeah. In. yeah, we don't want the dirty water of Boston. <laughs> we just want the normal water in uh, in Jersey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. Um, but it's actually pretty cool now. Like, the nursery's all set up. Shout out to uh, Leslie, uh, Lauren's mom, and Lauren's aunt, Karen, for uh, staying over and just unpacking everything. Because I think we would have just let that go until the baby arrived. Like, where's, oh God, where's where the monitor? <laughs> where's the pacifier? It's all set up now. And it's like, yeah, I mean, a baby could come literally right now. And we'd be like, oh, everything's perfectly all set. Yeah, I yeah. hope we still have a few more weeks, but... Yeah. 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 Hope so. <laughs> One more time with the oven. Yeah. I'm still. I'm still projecting September 28th is the date. I. I think that's a great day. Yeah. Although but, a lot of Libras have been reaching out and like. October that's a Libra 4th. still. Oh. Well, they'll still be reaching out. <laughs> I feel like more so than any other, like astrological sign, people have been talking to us about the whole Libra thing they being have. like They've a special. I haven't even looked at like what a trait of a Libra would be, but I'm pretty like I'm actually pretty. I'm definitely, like, I don't take everything into stock, but I'm, like, the general premise of each sign seems to match the characteristics of each person that you talk with. It's like, pretty true. Like I'm like, definitely a Cancer. Yeah, and I'm I'm very Sagittarius. Yeah. Like, and we were looking, when you first said that, I was like, I don't even know what my sign means. And then I went and read the descriptions, and it was really it's funny. Like, spot like, they on. were spot on. So, yeah. it is pretty like, funny. Like, day-to-day stuff is, like, I mean, it's, they, they, they make it sound so, like, uh, so vague that literally anything could apply, but overall traits i'm like wow that's actually pretty 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 spot spot on on. yeah (laughs) all right cool all right so let's get into it so we have three questions today the first one is from joe chattel and he asked have you done a post on how to cope with slow progress while others appear to achieve fitness slash health faster would love to know how you coach your people um so this is a great question and it was actually um related to a conversation i was having with one of our members recently who has been with us now for um a little over a year she's been actually almost two years 
Um, and she was sort of comparing, getting into this kind of comparison trap of being like, well, how much do other people <laughs> progress from this point of time to this point of time? And so I was just kind of talking to her about um, some different ways that we measure progress because progress is not just how much weight you can you could lift you know, six weeks ago versus now versus a year from now. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many different ways of measuring progress that it becomes very hard to compare it to somebody else and, and compare that, um, that progress. Yeah. Um, so she was in her particular situation, she was talking about weight. So she had done a max out day. We call a max out day when they get to, our members get to test out their one rep max for their, uh, back squat, their bench press and their deadlift. We only do it once or maybe twice a year. Yeah. Um, so it's very infrequent because we don't think it's something that you should do often, but it is a fun way to see how your training has been um, progressing. And so she had done one max out and uh, about a year ago and she hit 135 on her back squat. And then this time she hit 155. And I think what happened was the first time that she hit 135, the most she had squatted before that was like 85 or 95. So yeah. it was this really big jump. That's because she had never strength trained before. She had never really done anything like this before. So she she was able to make that huge jump. And we see that a lot early on is, is these bigger, bigger jumps. Mm -hmm. And then to only have a 20 pound jump on her second max out, she was super disappointed. And so I t first of all, I talked to her about just how progress is never linear and, and it's hard to like compare yourself to even your past self because you had so much more room to grow before and now you've actually created such a strong base of strength that it's going to be much less of a jump from, yeah, from one time to the next. Yeah, just diminishing returns right. over time. Um, but I also brought up the fact that that's not the only way we measure progress and that what we've seen from her, just from an outsider's perspective, is her technique getting so much better. Mm -hmm. And I talked to her about hitting technical PRs, which is very different from a PR, like just this is the most weight I've ever lifted. Yeah. A technical PR is the most weight you've lifted with really great form. Mm -hmm. um, and I talked to her about how we've noticed her form really getting so much better, her posture is better, she's standing taller, her breathing mechanics are better, like all of these things are better and all of those things are progress. And we don't, like as human beings, we tend to like numbers and like to see the data, like yeah. where where have I gone, where did I start and where have I gone? And some of these things are just not measurable and it becomes very hard to see that. So I think what's really important is as a coach is to remind people that progress isn't just a number on a bar yeah. and to remind them that they are making progress in so many different ways and give them some tangible ways that they're making progress. Yeah. And so like if someone was squatting, let's say back squatting a hundred pounds and they're squatting down to a box that was relatively high for them. Uh, but then they ended up squatting 95 pounds, but they were hitting slightly below parallel. I mean, that's a technical PR. They've gained more range of motion, more depth and more quality rather than just improving the quantity or whatever metric that you're looking for. So yeah, that's definitely a big way um, to go about looking at it. Um, also in terms of just looking at things through a lens of how can we um, motivate and just like reward based on consistency rather than some sort of outcome that happens to happen from the, uh, the training basically. Yeah. And so something that we always point to is instead of telling someone, oh, how much they've squatted and how much they've benched or how much they've improved, whether it's on a barbell or off the scale, things like that, we'd rather say things like, oh, I've just been really impressed with how consistent you've been, how much of a priority you've been making health and fitness, how much you've been uh, dedicated towards prepping your meals, just all the little things that they are directly in control of, really rewarding that from just like a, just like a, uh, uh, 
audible standpoint, yeah. Yeah, some like a verbal standpoint, um, rather than saying like what has come from it. So, oh, instead of saying, oh, you, you, you've lost five pounds or you've gained five pounds on the barbell during a, during a squat, it's more about the process that they've put in and the training that they've put in to lead up to that point that we more like to reward. Yeah. 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 So, and that's, that's an awesome point. And that, that starts from the very beginning. You really want to make sure that right when you're talking to people initially, that's the, the, those are the kind of first things that you talk to them about is that they might have goals of losing 10 pounds, but when you see them coming in consistently, that's what you talk to them about. You don't constantly ask them like, Hey, so let's check in on your weight again, or what's your yeah. weight? Or, and cause co- those constant remind- reminders can make them feel really stressed out, can make them start to compare themselves or like, how fast should I be losing weight? Yeah. Um, so just being like, Hey, you're doing so much more than you were doing before. That's, that's what we're looking for. And that's over time going to spark whatever outcome you want it to. Yeah. Um, and actually going off on that, like in terms of like how fast other people might lose weight and things like that, like, you know, initially I would just say the answer. I'd be like, you know, like one to two um, pounds a week is pretty good. Maybe one to 2% body fat a month is pretty good. And then once I realized that things were just so far out of people's controls, I went the complete opposite and been like, don't worry about it all. Like, you know, like that information is not relevant for you. Like that's for everyone else. Um, now we've kind of taken a step back and like, okay, let's give them the information that they need and I'll say the information, but I'll quickly redirect the conversation back towards them rather than the whole comparing themselves to other people. So they get the information that they need up front, but we redirect the conversation, um, right away right after that right so you can say something like that's exactly what i would do so you can say something like a typical like typically a safe amount of weight to lose in a week or a safer appropriate amount of weight to lose in a week is like maybe one to two pounds Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's what you should be aiming for necessarily it's going to depend on a lot of lifestyle like factors that are going on with you right now stress and sleep and a lot of different things can can compound that make that difficult um or easier for you so we don't really want to think too much about what's happening for other people let's talk about let's see what happens for you as we go through this process and take these steps and and we'll be able to make a better have a better understanding of how quickly or whatever yeah. things might happen yeah um, but yeah just making sure that it's very much getting outside of that comparison trap because that can be really hard yeah definitely yeah Cool. Cool. Great question. All right. That was a great question. Question number two. This one comes from Jolie Kapua. Kapahua. (laughs) Shoot. I always forget to read the names before (laughs) I say them. I think it's Kapahua. Um, Okay. Anyway, she said, question is about breathing. I tend to hold my breath a lot unintentionally during my lifts. It isn't such a problem when my program calls for six to eight reps, but when my program calls for 12 plus reps, needless to say, I need to make sure my breathing is on point. I find myself getting really tired during those sets, and I think part of it is ineffective breathing strategies. Any techniques you would advise, especially for higher rep ranges? Okay. This is a really good um, really good question because you hear things about like a Valsalva maneuver and different ways to hold your breath or use force exhalation in order to generate more tension. And you start to apply it to all different settings and different rep ranges, and you can get really confusing. Uh, how you want to think about it is basically, let's think about it in terms of on a scale of intensity. And so if you're performing an exercise anywhere from one to five repetitions or so, and more than likely that means you're about 85% and above in terms of intensity, you're going to want to do some sort of breath holding, I would say. So let's take a squat, for example. 
If you're um, loading the barbell up for a back squat and you have 85% or above on the bar and you are doing one to five repetitions with that weight, what you generally want to do is take a deep breath in, hold your breath, descend down into the squat, and then as you're coming up, you want to release your breath um, in kind of a forceful manner. So it would be like... <laughs> something along those lines. Lauren had a little burp or something. My, my stomach growled right when you did that, right when it was silent. I was like, great. <laughs> so interesting. But now let's say we go into the five to 10 to 12 repetition range, somewhere around there. That means that you're kind of in the 60 to 85% range. There, what we'd want to see is some sort of inhale, not necessarily hold your breath, but right as you're coming up from the bottom, just getting some sort of forced exhale. And for some people, they like to hiss, so they'll go tss. Some people will grunt. Some people will just release their air really quickly, but something along those lines where it's a little bit more forced and less holding of a breath. And then keep going further down the, the scale. Let's say you're doing bodyweight exercises or a Metcon or some sort of high-intensity training where um, the percentage is lower. So it might be more in the 30 to 50% range, but you're just going really quickly. You can't hold your breath. You can't do a forced exhale. You, you can't even really think about it, right? So what you want to think about doing there is, let's say you're doing a bodyweight squat, just quick inhale as you come down, quick exhale as you come up. So there's no holding at all or no, no forced exhalation. And this continues even further down the line. Let's say you're running, walking, jogging, hiking, whatever it might be. You're going to have just a general cadence with your breath um, that's going to be less about holding or less about creating tension. It's just going to be matching whatever it is. So maybe a quick breath out on every single step or pace forward or um, each step that you're climbing up a hill during a hike, something along those lines. But the more intensity that you have, the more breath holding that you need to have. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the only time that we want to make sure that we're being extra careful with, with anything breath holding wise would be if anyone has any like blood pressure um, issues or True. pregnant yeah. pregnant women. Like I don't hold my breath during my lifts anymore, even yeah. though I am. Some of my lifts are probably like 85% of what I could do currently. Yeah. Like I'm deadlifting a little bit heavier, but I'm actually still trying to just do like regular breathing, like mm -hmm. not actually doing any sort of, like I'm still actually, no, I wouldn't just say regular. It's still an inhale on the way down and an exhale on the way up. Yeah. So I'm still doing kind of like patterned breathing, but it's not a sharp exhale. It's not like holding my breath at any point during yeah. the lift. Um, same thing with anybody who has high, high blood pressure or any heart issues. So of course there's always going to be exceptions to these rules and, mm -hmm. and know yourself and know who you're working with. Make sure that you adjust based on that. But outside of those small exceptions, I completely agree with, with those yeah. recommendations. Yeah. yeah. So cool. All right. And then the last one is from small dragon 97. That was an easy one for me to read. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey Lauren and Jason, I plan to own a gym slash physical therapy clinic in the future. Would you say that a business degree is needed in order to own a business? Another good question. Um, and this is something that we actually touched upon with coaches, right? Do coaches need a, some sort of like either a personal training degree or like kinesiology or exercise science. And, uh, we pretty much definitively said, no, it's definitely definitely wouldn't hurt, but definitely not a requirement. Unless they're going to be a strength and conditioning coach for a university or a, a sports team, usually they they will recommend. They want something along or those require lines. Something, yeah, but for as a general coach, no. Yeah, um, and we'd probably say the same thing actually for um, a business owner as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd be hypocrites if we didn't because yeah. <laughs> we don't have business degrees. 
Um, but having said that, even though we don't uh, necessarily think a degree, a piece of paper is necessary, we do think that some sort of coaching, guidance, mentorship is very necessary. Very necessary. Because, um, I mean, as you, as a physical therapist, you know what to do from a rehab, prehab standpoint, all these sorts of variables. You've spent your whole life on it. But now to go into a totally different arena of business, which is just, I mean, it's just just completely different. You have to be, you know, just as well versed. And if you're not as well versed, then you have to seek out, you know, other professionals to make sure that you are, um, you know, going on the right track with things. Yeah, we would say, so the big thing for us was we spent basically six years as coaches getting continuing education for coaching. And we were going to as many seminars, certifications, all these different things, mentorships as we could for coaching. And we decided to go become a business owner. We couldn't imagine doing something to that extreme without kind of putting in that same amount of effort into the learning process. Because it's the same, we're trying to become now experts at something new. Mm -hmm. And if you want to become an expert at that thing, you have to do the same thing that got you to be an expert at what you're currently an expert at. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we had to expedite that process because we didn't have six years to open our business. We kind of wanted to do it a little faster than that. <laughs> so we did some more intensive mentorship. So we actually joined like a mentorship group. Um, we've mentioned them many times before, Results Fitness University with Alan Rachel Cosgrove out in California. Um, we didn't just go to one seminar and read one book. We like we switched all of our reading to business books. Mm-hmm. We went to the mentorship. We joined a group where we could bounce questions off of other business owners. Definitely having a network of other business owners that are in your similar field is a huge, huge help. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> just yeah. for like, even just mental support, like you could completely disagree with the advice that they give, but just to have like an emotional support system, you're like, oh, these people are also going th- through the same thing. And it's just, just that element of like, you know, having each other's backs is just like so, so important. Yeah. Um, a lot of books, a lot of podcasts, just like we've kind of really immersed ourselves into becoming better business owners because yeah, like Lauren said, we spent the previous six years becoming immersed and trying to become better coaches. Um, three pivotal books for us was um, The E-Myth uh, by Michael Gerber. Uh, that, that one's commonly referenced, but that, that one is just really just goal in terms of people think that just because they're good at their craft means that they can open up a business and be successful but it's just a totally different ball game so definitely e-myth um second is start with why which a lot of people have read but it's just worth really rereading right before you know going off and developing a business plan and things like that and then the third one which we really like is called traction by gino whitman and really helped to make a lot of things much more tangible so like start with why is a lot of like head in the clouds kind of thought of like why and like you know core values mission vision all that stuff traction really takes all those sorts of like buzzwordy type of stuff and tells you really how to tangibly map it out into actually how to create your core values and how to create a vision how to create a mission statement and make sure that you have systems and all that developed on paper and the collection of those three really can set up a really good foundation and there's a whole bunch more like marketing books by seth godin that are really helpful um, let's see customer there. service books like the Nordstrom Nordstrom yeah Way. and the Starbucks um, experience yeah. um, Zappos delivering happiness um, all these sorts of books but just like really dive headfirst into these sorts of things and um, uh, it's going to set you up with a good base yeah 
Um, the only other thing I can think of is that having a support system is really, really amazing. So Jason and I did this together. Yeah. Um, that was so helpful. And we talked to a lot of people who do it on their own and it seems very difficult. We also, on the flip side, talked to a lot of people who maybe start on their own and then bring in a spouse or bring in somebody mm -hmm. like as a business partner, but it's later and it's not their dream or their goal to make this business happen. Yeah. They just want to support. Um, that tends to be very difficult. Um, so so I guess my recommendation is if you don't have a partner like that's 50-50 and is just the same, like just as on board as you, um, to hire somebody, not necessarily like a spouse or family member or somebody close to you, yeah. but hire somebody as an admin person early on um, to help with some of the things that are going to need to be taken care of that you aren't necessarily the expert in yet. Um, so anything, even like answering emails, uh, phone calls, inquiries, processing payroll like it can be all different things tasks that you can give this person so that you can focus on the bigger picture of the business and yeah. having those core values set in place um but if you don't have somebody to split some of that admin type work with in the beginning you can get so bogged down with that stuff yeah. that it becomes hard to do your job like the everyday work that you still need to do because normally when you're opening a gym or you're opening a physical therapy studio you're still going to want to be you're still going to be having to do those tasks too, right yeah. <laughs> like you still have to be coach and you still have to be pt and you have to do all those things so to get some of the business stuff off of your plate whether it's splitting it with a partner or hiring somebody who's going to be a support person but not necessarily somebody who you're pulling in from like family or spouse, yeah that kind of thing yeah and just to touch upon um what lauren just talked about um, that was a huge piece of advice that we got from alan and rachel we initially thought our first hire was going to be another coach yeah um, and what they told us was that, you know, if you do that, then what you'll get stuck with doing, which is something that you're not passionate about is admin work and doing inquiries and, you know, emailing and following up with people and chasing people for their credit card information, like all <laughs> the little things that kind of add up and pile up. Um, and, and they were like, that's going to take you away from the floor doing what you're good at and what you're passionate about. And we we're like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so our first hire was an administrative person who loved that sort of stuff, right? Like yeah. they were organized and they could handle that sort of stuff and just like be fulfilled by that. And so it was, it was just a great piece of advice there is to have someone that you can hand that sort of stuff off to because yeah. you can quickly get bogged down by all that. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Cool. cool. So those are our answers to your burning questions for today. Thanks so much for those questions. We really appreciate it. If you have any more questions for us, you can DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. Um, you can also comment in any of our posts or sometimes we do those rapid fire uh, Q&A posts on stories. Instagram stories. Yep. So keep an eye out for those as well. And if you wouldn't mind opening up that podcast app and leaving us a review, that would be super, super awesome. We'd be so grateful. Yes. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.